Welcome to the Hope Talks podcast with Grayson Willis and Pastor Margaret Michael, where you'll hear inspiring stories that are filled with hope and good news in Jesus Christ. You can also search for our podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcast, and TuneIn. Welcome to today's broadcast of Hope Talks. I'm Grayson Willis, and today I'm joined by Pastor Todd Thomas, who is a pastor of the Timberville Church of the Nazarene. Pastor Todd, thank you for joining me today. It's great to have you. Well, thank you, Grayson. I appreciate the invitation. And uh, I've had Pastor Todd on before, and Pastor Todd uh, wrote a new book called Grow, The Journey Out of Discouragement, and I just thought it would be good to have him in today to share um, his book and also his journey dealing with discouragement and uh, with the Lord's help, uh, kind of learning to just find healing in that process. And so, Pastor Todd, um, I'll just start out by asking you, how did you feel God's leaning or uh, maybe uh, tug on your heart to write this book on discouragement? Well, I appreciate the question. Uh, I had battled some deep discouragement uh, for a couple of years. And um, as I came out of that, I realized I can't have been the only person to experience something like this. And maybe I could take the overview of my experience and share it in a way that might help others have hope and see a path out of that discouragement. I I just felt as I went through it, I didn't have a resource like this. Not that they're not out there, but but I just, and I thought, well, maybe, just maybe, a, a simple story told in a simple way might be helpful to folks to come out of a time of discouragement. Right. And uh, just any, I know uh, in the book, you had questions at the end of each chapter. Mm -hmm. And uh, one of the questions that stuck out to me was just a statement that you made. You said, recovery from discouragement is a process of simple things. So if you would like to uh, just explain that and expound on that. Okay. Well, thank you. Um, Sometimes we treat discouragement as something that can be overcome by one big thing, that if you just do that one big thing, you'll be okay. Uh, We sometimes look at discouragement as something that shouldn't be a part of our journey. And if it is, we ought to just do something and kind of get over it. But the thing that I faced and experienced and tried to communicate now is discouragement. When you're deeply discouraged in that dark place, any big thing is too big. You know, if there was one big thing to get over it, I'd have never gotten over it. Uh, But what I discovered was that an accumulation of small things brought about the desired result. So I would say to somebody who might be listening today who is discouraged, if you got out of bed and brushed your teeth today, I applaud you. You Just keep doing that. Uh, Just keep getting up when you don't want to get up. Just do that simple thing and brush your teeth or comb your hair or, or take a shower. The simple things. Just embrace a few of those simple things. And as you do so, you will find that one simple thing might lead to another simple thing, to another. And in a a bit, you will discover that you've moved from being in that really dark place to a place where now maybe you have a little bit of hope, a little bit of light shining, a little bit of strength to take the next few steps. So a discouragement was not, you know, one day I'm deeply discouraged living in darkness and the next day I walk out into the sunshine. That's not how that happened. Right. It was an accumulation of small things that returned some sense of normalcy to life. Right. 
And I, I relate to that. When I get overwhelmed with stuff and I take it to the Lord, I just sense him saying, like, you know, take it one step at a time. Like, do the next step. Then once you've done that, you yes. can take the next step and just kind of break it down in that way. And uh, uh, what gifts, experiences, or abilities do you have that would be helpful to others if you'd like to just share those experiences from your life? You know, different gifts that God uses to help you, ways that he uses to encourage you as far okay. as this discouragement journey. Well, one of the gifts I, I value very highly is I have a few very close friends. You know, we all have a lot of friends, a lot right. of acquaintances, but I have a few very close friends that I can trust explicitly. Um, I can tell them whatever is on my mind and my heart, what's happening in my life, and trust them with that information. And uh, they respond appropriately, not right. judgment or condemnation. Right. And so that's a great gift to me. And it kind of compels me a little to maybe be that friend someone else, to be that friend who will listen without judgment, to be the friend who won't retell the story in any context, uh, who will be that friend that will walk, to be that friend who will say to someone who is in some distress, how can I take your pain into my own heart? Um, Individuals who learn how to do that are an incredible gift. And I'm trusting that through the experiences of my life, I can become that person. Right somebody's life right pastor Todd as you're talking about you know having a few close friends that can keep you accountable or encourage you and tell you what you need to hear not always what you want to hear but tell you what you need to hear but tell it kind of speak the truth and love to you yes and uh, that's a gift from God and uh, also I know you shared in the book and also in a recent uh, teaching session we had with some pastors here at the church um, you shared about being vulnerable, just how mm-hmm. you had to be vulnerable first with the people in your congregation and just the vulnerability of writing this book and sharing with others. And just talk about the importance of that and also how it helps. You said you had friends that helped you. You could come to in confidentiality and share with them mm-hmm. and just the importance of Christian community and also being vulnerable within that Christian community. Well, I... I grew up in, in an environment where vulnerability was not really not really valued. You know, people just didn't, in their language, right. air their dirty laundry. And so I, I never developed uh, an ability to be vulnerable. I'm never really good at it, still a little uncomfortable with it, even sort of kind of talking with you today. Right. Uh, but as I was coming out of this journey of discouragement, I, I felt compelled to share the story, at least its broad strokes with my local congregation. And I was just, I was nervous. I was frightened. I didn't know what the outcome would be. Uh, I was kind of fearful, you know, about this whole thing. Will I be accepted as their pastor after this? Or what, what, you know, what terrible things will happen? But I still felt compelled to be vulnerable and, and just tell the broad strokes of my story. So did that. And uh, when I finished, it was just silence in the room for what seemed like an eternity. And then uh, the very opposite of what I was afraid would happen actually did happen. People were grateful and thankful for the story and, and the relatability that they now sensed was in our relationship. You know, vulnerability has its cost. 
And there's a way to be appropriately vulnerable. I didn't tell all of the deepest and darkest ugliness of the story. Uh, But appropriate vulnerability helps us relate to one another. And it it worked in in that regard. Uh, I'm still not real comfortable with it, but I'm seeing the value in it. As being vulnerable gives people a sense they can approach me and share their story with me. And we can learn to walk together. Right. And, uh, you know, being vulnerable, and we talk about this a lot on Hope Talks, you know, sharing our story, sharing our testimony, and this is story and testimony, it brings hope to people. And you talk about in the book about the importance of hope and sharing that hope with others, Mm -hmm. if you want to talk about that. Well, one of the things I experienced, Grayson, was what I call borrowed hope. In the deepest moments of that darkness for me, I had no hope. I didn't see a way out. I actually thought that the end had come for me. But among those close friends, I received hope. Sometimes, really, really simply, one friend just sent me a message, and it was just two words, take heart. And those two words gave me borrowed hope. I just took their hope for me and held it as my own. And it helped me take the next step and begin to give birth to my hope. Like, well, if they believe I'll make it, Maybe it would be okay if I believed I'll make it yeah. and begin to birth hope and belief and move me a little further down the journey out of that darkness. And, and, and those folks, even though I've tried to express how much they've meant to me in, in offering their support and kindness, just they'll, they'll never really know how deeply they impacted me with their simple words. That's profound borrowed hope and permanent hope, yes. which sometimes I think borrowed hope can lead to permanent hope. Yes. Yes. As you were talking about that, I was thinking about also in talking about community, sometimes we need to lift others' hands up. Like in the Bible, Mm -hmm. they held up Moses' hands. Well, sometimes we need to be that person to hold people's hands up, but sometimes we need others to hold our hands up. Yes, that is correct. And that's the borrowed hope idea that you were talking about. Also, two other things um, you talk about. I'll, I'll just kind of go to one first. And you talk about the importance of repentance, and you define what you mean by repentance in the book, but just talking about the idea of repentance and its importance in uh, getting out of discouragement or the Lord helping us get out of discouragement. Right. Right. Well, you know, in the midst of that discouragement, there were several things that happened in my life. You know, there was a lot of loss, both personal loss and professional loss and I was walking through midlife. Wow, somebody should have warned me about that. And then there was that strain of wearing a public face to hide private despair. And all of this stuff kind of hammered out a different kind of me. Not a God-shaped me, not a cross-shaped me, but a discouraged and despondent and overly sensitive kind of me. And I had to come to the place where I was willing to surrender that. I define repentance in that context this way. Uh, giving up my way of being me so that I might trust Christ in his way of forming me instead. Uh, So I didn't know what all the answer was going to be, but there was a day it came that I said, I can't be this person anymore. I can't change it on my own, and I can't be this person anymore. And I just had to to repent, had to turn from it. Just kind of enough is enough. And turn from it and then just fall in trust upon Christ that he would form me to what he desires for me. Right. right. And then Pastor Todd, as you were talking about the way you defined repentance in the book in that terms, I was thinking about surrendering control, surrendering control of our lives and giving it over 
completely to God, admitting that we can't fix our lives, we can't fix the troubles, only God can fix those. And also the word surrender came to my mind. Mm -hmm. And so uh, just anything you would like to add on the idea of surrender and surrendering control. One of the terrible things about being deeply discouraged is we hold on to that new identity. This is me now. I am discouraged. And we tend to project in that way that this happens and this happens. And now I'm discouraged and now I can't and now I won't. And, and we have this whole new way of looking at ourselves and talking to ourselves and identifying ourselves. Uh, and there has to come a moment, Grayson, where we just say, I can't. I have to surrender this. I have to, I have to surrender this identity. It's not who Christ desires me to be. It's not who he died to make me. Uh, it, it's not the hope of glory that comes from knowing Christ. But somehow we hold to it. Somehow and, and discouragement perverts our thinking. So we, we hold to that identity, and it's destroying us. Right. And the only thing we can do with it, though, Grayson, is just give up on it. Yeah. Just surrender it. Right. Just hands off. I, right. What I'm doing with it is destroying me, and it's destroying people around. It's destroying Christ's work in me and through me. So I just have to let go and fall in the arms of Christ, trusting that he will form me the way he wants me. Yeah, And as you were talking about that, the enemy wants us to find our identity in discouragement. Sure. But that's not where our identity lies. The Bible tells us we're child of the king, child of Christ. And that's where our identity is because he created us and the Bible says that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. That's correct, yes. Also, another important aspect that you mention in the book is spending regular time reading God's Word, and that's the best way to hear from Him is to read His Word. Yes. You know, I saw an interesting thing lately where somebody said, oh, I sure want to hear from God. And their friend said, well, read the Bible. And the person said, but I want to hear Him audibly. And that friend said, well, then read the Bible out loud. (laughs) You know, one of the things about discouragement is the darkness that closes in, and it tends to draw us away from reading. And uh, reading God's Word, reading other good resources. And when we go into the silence, the darkness just gets more intense and gets a stronger grip upon us. And so reading became an important part of my journey out of discouragement. Now, I'm not talking about setting aside a whole day to read a whole book. Yeah. I'm not even talking about grabbing up or read the Bible through in a year plan. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about a simple approach. At least read a verse or two and let the Spirit do what the Spirit does. Speak through that. He will. But you can't hear it if you don't read it. And so, you know, somewhere along the way, had to make the decision. I can't be neglectful of reading. I've got to do some reading. There's light in those words, and I desperately need the light in this darkness. And um, it was an important part of finding the place to put my foot next. You know, the the Psalms tells us, your word is a lamp to my feet. And as we read it, we can find that place for our next step on this journey out of discouragement. Yeah. Well, uh, even now as you're sharing that, uh, the Lord was speaking to me that I need to make sure, you know, I've been intentional about spending time in prayer, and often when I'm praying, I want to try to be quiet, not just me do all the talking, kind of like right. a, you're, if you're having a conversation with somebody, if you're doing all the talking and you're not letting them talk, you got to think of your relationship with God. And a lot of times I'm afraid to 
be quiet because I know my mind wanders all different directions. And so I get guilty and so I start talking again. But reading God's word, that's a good way to pray too, is to read his word. He can speak to you by reading his word, like you said. And since we're talking about praying, let me ask this. You say that in your book, you give a prayer that you would recommend for people going through discouragement that would be Mm -hmm. good for them to pray. So if you would just like to share that with us. Sure, sure. To set a little bit of a context, it's talking about having, uh, relating to people. And even in a time of discouragement, you know, we need others and and they still need us. And sometimes discouragement tends to make us a little selfish, that we won't relate, we won't connect. We say, well, we can't, or we're not in a good place right now, or we wish we could, but we hope folks will understand. And we become convinced we have nothing of value to add to anybody. And that's part of the selfishness and the deceptiveness of deep discouragement. But the Bible describes the Christian community as a connected community. It talks about it being a building, a body, a family. And so for somebody who is battling discouragement, I would just say, here's a prayer that might would be helpful. It's a simple prayer. Just, Lord, help me today to seek and to give and to live into somebody else's life. You know, to break that self-centered cycle but to, to live into somebody else's life and to have the courage right. to act right. when I have opportunity to live into somebody else's life. Uh, and that, that will help kind of break the grip of discouragement. Discouragement becomes incredibly self-focused and incredibly selfish. And if we pray that prayer, I think the Lord will help us to just, just give a kind word to somebody, right. something that's for somebody else. So Lord, help me to be able to do that today. You know, as you're reading that, and I read your book, but hearing you read it really stuck out to me. It gets our focus off of ourselves, and we focus on how we can help others. And in turn, I think it helps us, you know, feel like the Lord's using us, and it makes us realize that God has a purpose for us. Yes. And also, you talk about the importance of gratitude and being, you know, being thankful for the things we have and that helping us in the journey of getting out of discouragement. Yes. Well, again, one of the things that's so deceptive about discouragement is that it moves us away from gratitude. As we move away from gratitude, we don't move into a void. Other emotions will fill that spot. And too often it's disappointment and, and anger and overwhelming hopelessness kind of takes the place of gratitude. And, it gets to the point where when other people even have victories, we're not willing to celebrate. Instead, it's why them and not me. That lack of gratitude, surrounded kind of by selfishness. Uh, And I struggled with that. Oh, wow. And I had to learn a few things. I, I, I had to learn that gratitude can't be dependent on my circumstances. Can't even be dependent on me. Right. What I had to learn was gratitude finds It's solid, eternal foundation in one simple thing. God is good. And for days, for weeks, for months, every day, I kind of forced myself to say, God is good and I am grateful. Might have been the only positive thing in my life that day, but just say, God is good and I am grateful. And it began to shine a little bit of light in the darkness. And Pastor Todd, as you were talking about gratitude, I was thinking about the difference in Joy and happiness. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're not the same. You can have joy even when you're going through pain and suffering. You might yes. not be happy. Right. But like you said, gratitude and joy are rooted in 
Christ. We yes. have him. Yes. And we're promised that, you know, I've heard it said once that it'll all be all right in the end. If it's not all right, it's not the end. And, <laughs> you know, That's even good. if we don't find happiness in this life, if we trust in him and rely on him and live our lives for him, we'll find ourselves in eternity when we pass from this life. Well, you know, happiness always depends on what is happening, right? And what happens is fleeting. Joy depends on what's already been done, and that is Christ's work for us. There's so many profound truths as I read your book, and I took a lot of notes because I didn't want to forget the things that I read and even put down page numbers where I read them. But uh, just kind of as we're getting toward the end here, um, just two things. First of all, anything else that I haven't asked you already um, that you'd like to share about the book or the process of writing the book or things God's kind of revealed to you or even sharing with your congregation and maybe even just in general. I know you had mentioned before this broadcast you had said how people have come to you and thanked you for writing the book and just how it had blessed them. Yes, and I'm so humbled by that. Those who have received the book, some of them have given me feedback that it was helpful to them. They were going to use it uh, in their ministry to others, and I'm very humbled by that. You know, my, my greatest hope, Grayson, is that somehow somebody who is discouraged who might be able to get their hands on this can see my footprints in that darkness and follow right. me into the light. Uh, to the glory of of Jesus. And as I see that kind of happening with various individuals and their feedback to me, it gives value to my story. You know, that somehow God has done what he does. He's taken something that was terrible and was meant to destroy me and yet has used it to help others, which is my heart's greatest desire. Yeah, Pastor Todd, if you would just uh, pick a you know, one or two segments out of your book just to read to us, just to give us a taste of the book for those, you know, that might be listening and might wonder, I want to hear some more of that writing. All right. Well, thank you for that opportunity. Uh, Fairly early in the book, I write about grace, so I will read something uh, from that portion. Uh, The journey of the last several years is teaching me this. Grace must be the foundation of my life. Yes, I have work to do, duties to perform, and relationships to build. Attempting to do this work and build these relationships from a foundation of personal discipline and performance has led to discouragement, anger, and hopelessness. The harder I tried, the smaller the rate of return. A vicious cycle established itself in my life. I am awakening to the necessity of grace as my foundation. God's kindness to me, God's influence upon my heart so my life is changed is vital. Ultimately, it's not my personality, my giftedness, or my discipline that will provide me with personal and professional growth. It is grace. Grace that flows into my life through word, worship, and sacrament. I must lean hard into grace. Every day I must seek and surrender to the embrace of grace. Grace in me must be what cleanses me, motivates me, enables me, compels me. I must also be an instrument through which grace flows to others. I need to express grace by learning the art of listening to hear. I must hear the stories of disappointment, pain, anger, and confusion. I must learn to listen beyond the words into the heart. 
I must prove to be unwavering in my commitment to hold a confidence, to not retell a story that is not mine to tell. It is only then that I am given the opportunity to speak truth. I need to express grace by learning to let go of offense. I need to express grace by refusing to assign a motive for the words and actions of others. I need to express grace by absorbing the cost of forgiving others. When grace is given free expression through me, then truth has an opportunity to be spoken. And uh, I believe there was a, another segment that you kind of went along with that, if you would okay. just like to share that okay. also. All right. Well, it's a, an illustration I use later in the book uh, about opportunity and how we can help create opportunity for people who are discouraged, for them to have at least a small win. So consider this illustration. A friend gives me a 1,000-piece puzzle. I don't really like puzzles, but my friend is trying to be kind, so I accept the gift. And here's the conversation that soon followed. My friend, did you complete that puzzle yet? Well, no. Well, have you even started it yet? Um, maybe later. Well, if my gift means no more to you than that, wow. And I say, well, but it's a 1,000 pieces. The friend says, well, I thought the challenge would be good for you, but I guess I was wrong, and I just apologize. I'm sorry. And by now, I'm even more discouraged and frustrated than before. Another failure. Another person disappointed in me. But now let's retell that same story. This friend calls and invites me to his house. When I arrive, he has a thousand-piece puzzle box sitting on the table. I don't like puzzles, plus I'm not in the mood. But the friend says, hey, check this out. This is going to be a great challenge. And I say, well, sure, whatever you say. And the friend says, well, I called you over here because I need help with the project. And me, I doubt I'll be much help. That's a thousand pieces and puzzles are not my thing. The friend says, I know. What I need from you is this. Just set aside the edge pieces. That would be a huge help. And I say, well, okay. I think I can do that. Now, this opportunity is manageable because my friend took the larger part of the load. I'm not belittled by the process. I am still contributing to the project, but in a way that is not overwhelming. I've been given an opportunity to succeed. As the work progresses, I finish my task and then, without much thought, begin putting puzzle pieces together. We did not finish the puzzle, but that is not viewed as a failure. Together, we succeeded in getting a good start. It was a small thing that was a big deal. Yeah, that's, that's a great encouragement, Pastor Todd. Uh, just uh, puts it in perspective. The two examples, mm -hmm. the different, you know, the one you were discouraged because your friend was disappointed that you hadn't put the puzzle together that they had given you, right. but them. You know, saying, hey, you're going to help me put this puzzle together. And even if it seemed like a small task, they made you feel important and needed. And that was the difference of kind of encouraging somebody or discouraging right. somebody. Pastor Todd, I want to thank you, first of all, for writing the book, uh, for being obedient to the Lord, and for being willing to come and share about your book and your journey through discouragement, because we all know that you know, we'll all deal with some form of discouragement, yes. um, but it's just managing it and knowing that the Lord is there with us yes. through the discouragement and in the discouragement. And I'm just going to 
close and pray them for you and for your family. Thank you for joining me today. Well, the book is available on Amazon. Yep. You'll need to search by full title, Grow a Journey Out of Discouragement. I was planning to ask you that. Thank uh, you for sharing that, you, Anna. Grayson. It's uh, Todd Thomas, uh, book Grow. Thank you. Uh, Lord, I just come before you today, and I thank you uh, for Pastor Todd and uh, for his willingness to be vulnerable and share uh, with us today his journey through discouragement and write in this book. And uh, just uh, thank you for those that have found hope from it already and those that will find hope in the future and those that uh, found hope today by uh, listening to our conversation. Lord, I pray a blessing over him and his wife, Carol, and over their kids and their grandkids and over their church, uh, Timberville Church of the Nazarene, Lord. And uh, I just uh, pray all this and uh, bless him and help him and his family to fill your blessings day by day. And I just pray for anybody listening today that might be dealing with discouragement, Lord. Help them to know that uh, they can go to you in prayer they can go to a trusted friend. Uh, they can go to your word to hear from you, to hear uh, audibly from you as Pastor Todd shared. And we thank you for that, Lord. We thank you that uh, even though we know that we will face discouragement at times, that uh, as the Bible says, take heart because uh, you have uh, overcome the world, Lord. And we thank you for that. And uh, just uh, ask all these things in your name. Amen. Thank you. Thank you, Grace. Thank you. It's a privilege. uh, Thank you, Pastor Todd. It's been good to have you. Thank you for listening to today's broadcast of Hope Talks. I pray that as you've heard uh, Pastor Todd Thomas share about his book, Grow, A Journey Out of Discouragement, that it truly has been a half hour of hope for your life. May God bless. Hope Talks is sponsored by Church of the Nazarene Harrisonburg in partnership with Sunshine Ministries. Thanks for listening to today's podcast of Hope Talks. If you enjoyed the podcast, please subscribe for updates in the latest episodes. Also, if you're in the Harrisonburg, Rockingham County area, we invite you to listen on the radio each Sunday at noon on 1470 AM or 102.1 FM WBTX.